What are we talking about? Natalie's saying that romantic comedies are bad. All those movies are lies. They're terrible pop songs. I think people would have an easier time seeing you if you were a little more open. Hey, I'm Jack. Natalie. Give me the purse! Why does this shit always happen to me? You're in the emergency room. This isn't an emergency room. This is a Williams Sonoma. It looks like somebody's put a beauty filter across New York City. Wait, wait. So, wait. I shut off the mic for a second. Wait, what were you just saying about neck fat? <laughs> I was just saying that I want to be told that neck fat can be cute. I think your neck fat is cute. My neck, I look like a thong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't say that. Thumbs can be cute. Haven't we ever had fun playing Thumb Wars? That's true. We have had fun playing Thumb Wars. All right. Uh, we should stop uh, talking about Thumb Wars. Nobody <laughs> cares about our extracurricular activities. We're here to talk about movies, and we're back with the wages of cinema. I am Jack, and with me is... Wife We Duty, Corey. Yes, under the thumb of my patriarchy. <laughs> Once again. Um, I wish the people could have seen that thumb motion you did just then. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, oh, no, no I, just, I just saw something about the director of this movie that I gotta bring up to you when uh, time comes. Um, so we actually saw a movie tonight, and unlike... Uh, some of the movies that we've been talking about recently on the podcast, like Glass and Serenity, um, this actually, uh, this movie, it's called "Isn't It Romantic?" Uh, maybe not the the not maybe not a title that that rolls off the tongue or that you'll remember very easily, but good movie. We liked this movie. Yes, this isn't like a Serenity. <laughs> uh, you don't have to go in ready to uh, want to talk through the whole movie. Um, no, uh, yeah, so what this, well, I was about to say, I should say it. All right. So, I was, you, we, I'd seen the trailer for this, and I think you had too. Yeah. And my impression of the trailer was, okay, kind of a clever concept, I guess, meta-romantic comedy, uh, all about romantic comedies. Not the biggest Rebel Wilson fan. Yeah, that was exactly my attitude. I was entertained by the premise. Now, I will say, in fairness to Rebel Wilson, I've never seen a movie where she has a prominent role. I, I don't think... You know what it is? I don't think that she's been given a character like this before. That she actually has, like, a real goal and an arc. And there are still some things that... Again, I've the only movie that... Before this, like, looking her up in, uh, like, when I look her up on Letterboxd, um, the only movies that it shows that I've seen her in... Oh, actually... Oh, what? No. What? She was in Ghost Rider? What? Yeah. Well... Apparently. Uh, she had, like, a very supporting role in... She plays goth girl in alley <laughs> all right that doesn't mean anything she was in bridesmaids in yes like a supporting role right she wasn't even one of the main bridesmaids and i was liked she? her in that but generally she didn't have that big a role in that either yeah and like i liked her in that it was a small role but anytime i've seen a trailer for one of the movies where she's a yeah. lead or a co-lead i've been unimpressed well i haven't i haven't seen any of the pitch per perfect movies i hear those are hit or miss. I mean, I know they have their fan base, but anytime I've seen a trailer for one of those movies, the whole, you know, her name in the, those movies is Fat Amy. Yeah. It, it, the whole joke is, hey, I'm fat. Isn't oh. it funny I'm fat? Look at me, I'm fat. I'm as fat as Fatty Arbuckle. Yeah, and... <laughs> to me... I'm rocking the timely references <laughs> here, folks. Karina Longworth. Shout out. Oh, yeah, she did do an episode on Fatty Arbuckle. And so, yeah, um, neither of us were very attracted to a comedian whose entire shtick seems to be, I am fat. So. And, and I think at the very start of this movie, I was a little worried that, um, like, they had a bit where, like, she she leaves her, uh, ha like, her apartment building in the morning, and 
a halal truck is just going down the street, and then it, like, knocks her over. Even though she's standing right in front of it, but somehow can't see it. She could have moved out of the way. It was practically like the Austin Powers, um... <laughs> yeah, a little like, bit. Really, really slow, like, steamroller. Only not as... That, that's funny, because that wasn't one of the self-aware moments of this movie. Yeah. Um... So in this movie, Rebel Wilson, it's it's basically set up as it's meant to be a little bit of a more funky, like ish romantic comedy plot in a way because she's an architect working at a um at an office. Um, she works w- alongside Adam Devine. Uh, yeah, it's not a name that so rolls off the tongue. You might know him because he. Oh, you know he he was in Neighbors. He was in Neighbors. He was also in this Netflix only movie that I saw called Game Over Man. Yeah. Um. Oh, really? I, I don't think I saw that one. Oh, I see this here. Okay, yeah, Game Over Man. Uh, he. You might remember him. Oh, he's been. He's actually in a couple of the Pitch Perfect movies. And of course, the most of the thing that actually turned me off of this guy was Mike and Dave need wedding dates, which we did not see, but we saw the trailer for a hundred and seventy thousand times. I feel like terrible. I saw that movie <laughs> the number of times I saw the trailer for it. It was it was not a good year for Aubrey Plaza too. Between that and uh, Dirty Grandpa, <laughs> she had like a period where it's like I'm gonna be like the slut or whatever. Anyway. So he's in this, he works there in the office, has kind of a crush on Natalie, but Natalie is, like, very much, I have no, like, self-esteem, and also romantic comedies are bullshit. Uh, her friends, Betty Gilpin, she plays... From Glow. From Whitney, yeah, you know, from Glow. And so, after the first 10-15 minutes, which is kind of just setting up, this woman has been, you know, she watched romantic comedies as a kid, but her mom told her, don't believe in that crap. You know, the life is cruel and hard, and now she believes it too, even though she really does have, like, a love of romantic comedies, I guess. I don't know we could say. Anyway, she tries to go, she's in the subway, this guy tries to come on to her, steals her purse, they get into it, and one of the great crusty old standbys in movies, she bumps her head. Yes, and has a creative head injury. Yes, which is funny because there's literally another movie out right now (laughs) with the bumping on the head thing. And that's not played as some meta thing. What's the other movie? What Men Want. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, it's... uh, We will not be reviewing on The Wages of Cinema. No, I mean, I I like Taraji P. Henson and, and, you know, Acrimony Forever. Yeah. But, um... (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, we don't need to see, but yeah, but it's just funny to point that out, that there's two of these movies in theaters right now, but anyway, she bumps her head, and then all of a sudden, the movie changes, not just, you know, it changes stylistically, and it suddenly, for her, oh my god, I'm in a romantic comedy? Yeah, so basically, it's a movie that's kind of like... An affectionate meta-parody of romantic comedies. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's very affectionate. It's, I think that what, to, to get into what why I like this movie, uh, just off the front, I don't know if I have a way of structuring this review, because again, we just got back from the movie. Um, however, I, I do want to compare this to another movie that came out last year that this was reminding me of, and... You know, and this in a good way, and the other movie not. Um, I feel like this is made by people who genuinely like romantic comedies. Yeah, so it definitely... Um, the movie ridicules things that are kind of ridiculous about romantic comedies. Yeah. But I agree with you, where it's definitely made by someone who also has, like, a lot of warmth well, towards the genre. Well, there's a couple things, too. There's the writers of it. And then there's the director, and I looked it up, and the director is this guy named Todd Strauss-Schulson. It's uh, another name that rolls off the tongue. Um, and he, it's funny, is he, he made a movie that we were talking about before we went out to see this movie tonight. He directed The Final Girls. 
Interesting. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, uh, the Final Girls is it's uh, is like kind of its own meta comedy, um, you know, a horror movie that is again, as the title suggests, about you know all you know what what happens when you have quote the final girl, you know, in a horror movie, and. Uh, and that was a little bit more... I think that was actually kind of more hit or miss than this. Yeah, this is definitely better. I liked Final Girls, but this is better. I think what, like, is it also in this favor? And about, I looked up one of the writers of this movie. When I show you her credits, it's kind of amazing. Oh like, my god. Yeah, there's this one writer, Dana Fox, and some of the movies that she's credited for, things like How to Be Single... Actually, I, I don't know. Did I hear good things about that movie? I don't know. I don't know. Well, there's Couples How to Be Single, Retreat. Couples Retreat, What Happens in Vegas, The Wedding Date. These movies that, you know, it, I think that this was, like, the movie that she's probably wanted to make for, like, her entire career. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, don't know like, I don't know if she was the head writer or what. I haven't seen any of those other movies, but I'm sure they're crap. Oh, I remember when they came out and they, like... Uh, that was at the point, if if those had actually come out when I was in high school, I mean, there was a time where I actually saw really just uh, romantic comedies, and, and we'll get into that because of certain things that this movie gets into and doesn't get into, but it, it it's, uh, yeah, I, I've, I don't know where I was going with that. I think that she clearly knows the ins and outs of this, and the yeah. directors too. But what's interesting is the style of the movie. You watch like the first 10, 15 minutes, and the look feels a little bit dirtier. Like both the city looks like how we, you know, just picture New York City kind of looking as yeah. usual. Um, I mean, there's like a creative camera move here and there, but it's meant to be like, all right, the office is just drabby and, you know, bland, you know, like very typical, like an office. But then as soon as she hits her head, cinematographer here, the guy decides to really go all out with, like, bright lens flares and flower shops and cupcake stands. Everything is candy-colored. Everything is, like, bright pastels. There, there's a guy, like, as soon as she gets out of the hospital, there's a guy on a bike who has the, like, a, a, a little stereo that plays Michelle Branch. <laughs> Um, and, yeah, and then immediately Liam Hemsworth, who we see in the opening scenes, um, as, like, a, a kind of douchey billionaire guy who's doing stuff with the architecture firm or whatever, he shows up in the limo being like, hey there, gorgeous, you look so beguiling! And they have a meet-cute. Yes, and he keeps saying the word beguiled. <laughs> I've been beguiled by you! And... <laughs> Yeah, they have a meet cute, and and yeah, then the plot becomes basically like she's seeing her world as a romantic comedy. Like everything around her, her apartment is now this luxury space. The gay guy that's lived down the hallway from her is now, as Patton Oswalt would say, gay best friend. <laughs> I might have to find like a little. Do you remember that stand yes, up I that do. he did? Yes, yeah, I do. he he talked about how he like almost got cast as the gay best friend in a romantic <laughs> comedy, and yeah. Um, so yeah, some of the other kind of conventions of the. So when you're looking at what conventions of the genre this movie's kind of spoofing, it's the meet cute. The fact that everyone's got these, like, gorgeous luxury apartments and these super fancy high-status jobs that don't require any actual work. Even down to little details, like, her dog uh, is... Yeah. Um, at first, she has kind of, like, a, rain, a, a mangy-looking, like, but still kind of cute dog. Um... She actually kind of looked a little bit like my my dog Duchess. And I noticed some... But No, no, but I was about to say was, when she comes back, when she's down in the romantic comedy world, it's the dog from Game Night in Widows, <laughs> who's kind of a, like a rock star dog. Do we know for sure it's the same dog? It looked a lot like that dog. Like, I know. Why would it be a different dog? Because there's lots of dogs in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but there aren't a lot of dog actors. It's true. <laughs> that's, 
like it's a strong resemblance, but I don't want to mislead the people. We don't know for sure. I, I, you didn't think it looked like that dog? No, it was a very strong resemblance, but that doesn't mean we're totally sure it's the same dog. I just want to be that dog because that dog is so cute and kind of yes. an amazing dog actor. And the dog actually doesn't get a lot of time here. I just want probably to... the same dog. But we don't know for sure. Yeah, and it's the it's the dog that um, Jesse Plemons has in Game Night, and the dog that uh, Viola Davis has in Windows. Anyway, so yeah, as you say, it's like bright pastel colors, and Betty Gilpin now in the romantic comedy world is the an- animus friend that, I don't know if that's the word right I'm using right, animosity, there, anyway, um, things like that. And it's just, it's all, what helps is that it's funny. If it, it wasn't funny, I feel like, well, I should say that I think mo- at least most, if not half the time, it's funny. There are some jokes that, like, don't land completely. I thought it was pretty funny, though. I thought it had a pretty high ratio of successful jokes. I mean... Not every joke was laugh-out-loud funny, Yeah, but there were very few jokes that didn't work at all. Yeah, and it, it, the way that the movie then ends up becoming, it's it, at first you just think, oh, is it just going to be, is it just going to throw us, you know, the tropes of a romantic comedy, but it also becomes a romantic comedy plot, because yeah. um, without spoiling anything yet exactly, Adam Devine suddenly... Like she's wa- he's walking with Rebel Wilson in the park, and they spot and they suddenly come upon this uh, quote, yoga ambassador. Yes, a quote unquote yoga ambassador, um, played by Priyanka Chopra. She um, just married a Jonas brother. Well, la di da. I don't know which Jonas brother, <laughs> but she's married a Jonas brother. I'm sorry, I should be more like happy about that. She's she's been actually in a lot of Bollywood movies, but she's she had a TV show too. Okay, called yeah, Quantico. I never watched it though. Wow. Okay. Well, cool. Dropping the knowledge for the people. Yeah, Quantico. That's a timely reference. <laughs> <laughs> well, did that come on after Wings? <laughs> <laughs> on the USA Network, Quantico. I don't think it was on for very long. <laughs> no, I guess not. But anyway, um, Adam Vine comes upon her. Oh my god, she's so hot. I'm now in love with her. And meanwhile, Rebel Wilson is being you know, romanced by Liam Hemsworth. Yes. And so, oh my god, it's getting into wacky territory. Because <laughs> really, Rebel Wilson's realizing Adam Devine is the, really the one for her. <laughs> And I said you in the car on the way home, I think Liam Hemsworth really kind of leveled up career-wise in this movie. He looks like he's having a good time. That's what's kind of cool about it. When you see him, uh, what was his character in The Hunger Games? Gail. Yeah, playing Gail, I mean, frankly, Gail was, a lot of the guys in that in those movies were wet blankets, yeah. but him especially was like... I'm holding a torch for you, Katniss. <laughs> um, and like, and obviously that was a lot of the guys around her, but him especially. Yeah. I don't even remember him having much of like a character trait, no. except I'm a sad puppy. Well, he and was... I'm and I'm competing <laughs> with the other sad puppy. Um, well, you know, the guy, was... <laughs> the guy who blends in with rocks. He was grim and tough and competent and serious. Oh, oh and... God! You know what? Oh, he was in that. What? He was in that movie knowing. <laughs> <laughs> but in this movie, he's when he has to be goofy and kind of like like a silly version of a charming guy, he's funny. And then when he has to be a sleazeball, he does that well too. Yeah, he leans into what his character what what the writing needs to be, but he enli- enlivens it. And you know, it it helps to do these like, you know, he's a good-looking guy too, but it's it's it takes a certain skill, I feel like, that both he and his brother are really good when they loosen up and they just are acting like yeah, really having fun. You know, I mean, Chris Hemsworth, you know, this is a little aside, but I, when I think back, he was ironically the best part about that new Ghostbusters movie <laughs> for a movie that was like 
oh my god, you these women are going to destroy comedy or blah, 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 internet trolls. Blah, blah, blah. Chris Hemsworth comes in and is like the dumb puppy dog and does really well. And yeah, he, he's, um, yeah, as you say, he's very charming when he needs to be, but he also plays the sleazy part of it. Yeah. Um, good comedic chops. Good comedic sure. chops. Um, you know, it's like, he's a good scene partner too. Yeah. Cause Rebel Wilson, you know, she's someone who I think it can, again, I, like I said, I haven't seen a lot of her movies, so I, I might be wrong to judge this. I feel like she's one of those actresses that's only as good as the material she gets. Yeah, we were just put off by the trailers of her other movies and we're like, these look bad, we don't want to well, see Well, also, I think if she's, she, it's very easy for her to be like one of these actresses Kind of like Melissa McCarthy, where if you just give her shtick or tell her, okay, now be dirty or, you know, just rattle off shit. Like, pain and gain. Her whole thing is, oh, I like black cock. You know, that was basically her bit in that movie. I'm not mm-hmm. kidding you. Like, but then again, it's Michael Bay, so. Um... But yeah, no, she has, she's given a lot to do here, and I think she pulls off a lot, and even towards the end of the movie, I was even feeling, like, her sweet energy with Adam Devine. I had feelings in this movie. Did you have feelings? I thought so, looking over at a very specific moment. It was at, like, near the very end of the movie. And I missed it up a tiny bit. Did you really? I don't, like... I don't think tears actually fell, but, like, I missed it up a little bit. And I was a Rebel Wilson skeptic coming into this movie, but she was good. Yeah, I mean, am I going to say, you know, this, oh my god, this does for Rebel Wilson what Big did for Tom Hanks or something like that? I No, I don't know. I mean, again, I feel like she, this... Probably, I get the sense that in those Pitch Perfect movies, too, there was probably a lot of improv. and But in this, there was more of a a concrete script yeah. to work off from. And so with that, um, and plus, too, what helps is that she's, in a way, she's the audience. Uh-huh. You know, we're, we're trying, we're seeing it with her. And, like, to an extent, Adam Devine. Like, they're the two sort of real people in the midst of this kind of candy-coated fantasy land. Um, now, to make a couple of comparisons, one thing that I didn't mention to you before that I thought about with this, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Now, I still think that is the much better yeah. and way deeper version of this. Uh-huh. But I feel like this is the kind of thing that I could picture if this was being, when this was being pitched, maybe Crazy Ex-Girlfriend came up. Well, also, if Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was only, like, 85 minutes long, and that was it, it probably wouldn't be any deeper than this movie is. No, maybe not. I mean, you couldn't really get into... Well, that was also her... You know, the the Rebecca Bunch character is way different a creature than... uh, than than uh than Natalie. It's not a comparison I thought of myself while I was watching it, but I think it's an apt one. Well, actually maybe in a way it's the inverse though, where like Rebecca Bunch wants everything to be like that sweet perfect romantic yeah. comedy um or romantic life if you will, but everything around her is pretty realistic. Even though there are those parts like she has the best friend and she has like that love triangle and there are songs. This movie has some songs. They're not originals. It's again yeah. like a movie, you know, there's a Whitney Houston number at the very end there's a Madonna number. Um so there's that. Now the other comparison though I wanted to make which is something you haven't seen and I was fuck I was getting this hell confused for a second. Um this was one of those movies I saw when I had Movie Pass. <laughs> um and this, I was getting, at first I was saying, isn't she pretty? But no, what is the title? I Feel Pretty. I Feel Pretty, thank you. The Amy Schumer movie. And this was another movie that last year came out. And I I don't know how, like, do you remember what the critical reception was of this movie? Yes. Wasn't I, it a bit controversial? I don't know if it was controversial. I remember, though, 
I read several reviews of it that said, this movie's mediocre, Michelle Williams is great in it, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Abs- 100%, when I saw this, um, yeah, Michelle Williams kind of steals the show. Um, she's, like, the squeaky-voiced, uh, like, bo- uh, boss of this, uh-huh. like, uh, uh, I, for- I think it's, like, a... Oh, I don't even remember. I think it's like a fashion thing. Um, it has a thirty-five percent Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, so I know this didn't. Get, I know I feel pretty didn't get good now, reviews, and I didn't see it. Now I again, it I, bad. <laughs> now I saw it. I, I if it hadn't been for Movie Pass, I probably wouldn't have. Um, and this is another movie where a character hits her head, and in that case, though, what hap- What the difference is, she hits her head and realizes. Oh man, I have game. I got game. Yeah, and you know, and I respected that movie conceptually, and it tried to have this idea about that women don't always have to, you know, value themselves based on how people, society, you know, norms perceive them to be. But the execution in that was where that movie kind of fell apart a bit. Like I don't think I feel pretty is a terrible movie. Uh, and I again, I appreciate that movie's ambition, but it when you watched this movie tonight, isn't it romantic? Did you ever think, oh, Natalie really needs therapy? No, no. Like uh, it's it. This scenario works better when it's a little bit more like a fairy tale. Yeah, like this is like a fairy tale satire in a way. Yeah, you know because you know the character gets literally everything she wants. You know, and and in, but and I feel pretty. It's more like it it it's actually trying to be a traditional rom com, and it maybe I, when I saw it, I thought it should have gone for more dark stuff, like mm-hmm. it was edging towards that. Um, well, you were making the comparison because I know I feel pretty is supposed to have this self acceptance message that the problem. Now, I'm talking about a movie I haven't seen. It's probably not going to be as entertaining as when I talked about Unbreakable. Well, but... uh, no, un- there, unfortunately, <laughs> there's no character who's trying to... <laughs> Actually, it'd be the inverse. Someone is trying to inject confidence into Amy Schumer. <laughs> Which I thought the whole point of I Feel Pretty was supposed to be that once she believes that she's super hot, it works, and everyone treats her like she's super hot, and it was really, like, a confidence issue, not an actual problem with her appearance, right? Isn't that, like, the theme of the movie? Yeah, well, I said in my review, and I, and I quote, because I found it, I said, it's like meeting someone at a political rally or march who has really good intentions, and, you know, telling women to be happy with themselves in a broad general sense is fine, just like being too in love with yourself leads to trouble. But once you get to the, having a conversation, the messaging gets haywire based on the person talking, not having all their shit together. <laughs> so I feel like both of these films have that have a slightly similar initial idea, which is you you know, and I think because Natalie ultimately re, re, gets to this, and I guess this is kind of a spoiler for this movie. Um, but if you've gotten this far, hopefully you've seen the movie by now. You know, this idea that women are often told in society, you're not good enough, you aren't pretty enough, you're not this or that enough. And Natalie has bought into that. And what's interesting and isn't it romantic is, ultimately she comes to realize, no, I don't need to fall in love with someone to feel validated. I can, you know, love myself. Whereas when I feel pretty... It, I don't think it fully embraced its genre the way that Isn't It Romantic does, if that makes sense, or at least in the same way. Because Isn't It Romantic helps by, is helped by trying to get at the genre itself, whereas I Feel Pretty is kind of still trying to be a, a rom-com, but it's not as aware as it should be. I don't know if I'm making sense. Well, I think that, ideally, I like Isn't It Romantic, it gives you both. It gives you the fact that, like, the Natalie character should be more self-confident, and her life 
is better than she thinks it is in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So it has that self-confidence message, but let me tell you, like, um... You're you're, going to bring it back to the neck fat? No, I'm not going to bring it back to the neck fat. Thank you. Women's insecurities about their looks are not totally internal. Trust me, if you're not, like, a particularly attractive woman, external forces will let you know. Sure. And treat you accordingly. So, this notion that, like, if you're not super conventionally attractive, all you need is confidence and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Is kind of rubbish. No, well, let me ask you, though. Do you think, though... In you know twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen, like are are women though getting a little more? Is that message though like you're not pretty, you're not attractive, you're not this enough? Isn't that now kind of changing a bit? Well, now a lot of advertisers go with like the body positivity thing. Yeah. So well, even that's why you know someone like Rebel Wilson probably is looked at as someone's real romantic ideal. So, but yeah, this... I basically thought that Isn't It Romantic definitely had a better message than I Feel Pretty seemed to. Let me ask you one... Here's a question, though, regarding how it's tackling, you know, romantic comedies. Um... And again, I like this movie. I do like it. I think you like it a little bit more than I yes. do. Um, one thing I wondered if maybe the movie could have done as far as tackling what romantic comedies do and how... Because I think that one thing about this movie, it gets the look totally right. It yeah. gets a lot of the tropes right. In a way, it's kind of like a one joke that is stretched and they play upon it enough huh. that it works. Now, again, this might be more on me, because I might be saying something like, I wish the movie had been this, but the movie is this. Certain romantic comedies, the reason why they've kind of died out and become more of this niche on Netflix and not so much in theaters anymore, is because there are a lot of toxic characters in romantic comedies. Well, I feel like... You know, a lot of sociopaths, frankly. Yeah, like... Neither of us are huge fans of the genre. I can like them when they're done well. I mean, yeah. just like with that, you know, just like with a musical or western or anything. Yeah. So, like, don't get me wrong. There are romantic comedies I enjoy. Sure. There are romantic comedies I would even say I enjoy a lot. But if you were to ask me to rank like favorite genres of film, yeah, romantic comedy wouldn't be anywhere near the top. And you're right. One of one of my big beefs with a lot of the romantic comedies I've seen over the years is the movies try to pass off sociopathic behavior as cute or charming or quirky when it's like, if anyone was doing this in real life, you would be a social pariah. You would be in prison. So, and, and, you know, and that, that's the thing about like, when at the very beginning, you know, like the, the, it opens with a scene you've probably seen in the trailer where, a little girl's watching a pretty woman. Which I've never seen, actually. Oh? Yeah, I've never seen it. It's okay. I haven't seen it since, actually, I was a lot younger. Well, again, I'm not, like, a huge fan of the genre, so I don't feel the need to... That has a good couple of dark little bits, because, I mean, Julia Roberts plays a hooker in that movie. Yeah. I mean, they kind of soft-pedal it a bit, because it's Gary Marshall, but... Um, you know, Julia Roberts has played... A, I feel like she's played a few sociopaths in these kinds of movies. Like, do you ever see Runaway Bride? I saw, like, 15 minutes of it on TV once, and I thought to myself, like, this is not cute. This woman is an absolutely horrible human being. She's a, she's a terrible, terrible, terrible yeah. person. So, yeah, and there... This that, isn't cute. Yeah, and there are a number of those kinds of movies that I could point to, and a number of them that I saw over time where, you know, it... The, the, these... There, there are characters in a lot of romantic comedies in the past 20, 25 years that, you know, it's not cute and bubbly. This is like, you know, you have characters who... No, you are a terrible person. We need to push you away. Now, what I'm getting to with saying that is, 
could Isn't It Romantic have had something like a commentary on that, or would that have just not fit into this movie? For me, personally... Or is that the Liam Hemsworth character? For me, personally, if the satire had been harsher, it would have compromised, like, the sweet part of the movie. For me, personally. Mm. Because I feel like this movie wants to simultaneously be, like, a meta-commentary on romantic comedies and a romantic comedy. It doesn't just want to be, like, a satire. It wants to be both a satire and a romantic yeah, comedy. Yeah, but, well, that's what I mean, though, is that, like, that's why I say I like this movie. I, if it, it could have gone, like, maybe that extra little mile, um, and then it would have actually been, like, really, really special for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, like, it's funny, because this is a pretty short movie. Yeah. It has a runtime of... Uh, you know, with credits, uh, 90 minutes. Yeah. So it goes by pretty fast, and it's well-paced. Um, I just wish... You know, you could have even had it in a slight way. I don't know how, but... the I just feel like this movie is... No, I, I get... What am I trying to say here? It is... It's able to mostly have its cake and eat it, which is it's a celebration of romantic comedies hmm. while kind of poking fun at them, yeah, too. It's, it's I, a gentle critique when a lot of romantic comedies deserve to be savage. They, I, yeah, and that's the thing. I, I appreciate what this movie does, and maybe for you know a mass you know 3,000 or whatever screen Cineplex experience, this is you know, the best we can get. Uh, but for me, I just, I want that, like, real knives out, you know, thing ab- about a romantic comedy. You wanted it to have more teeth. Because, but I think that that can happen sometimes, though. I mean, like, you know, you look at Hot Fuzz, mm. and that's clearly made by somebody who loves cop movies and even, like, you know, it is, like, kind of almost unapologetic about loving, like, Michael Bay, and that kind of shows in Hot Fuzz. But I feel like that movie has some, like, real commentary put into that about, like, some of the tropes in those cop movies and, um, you know, and I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen Hot Fuzz in years, but I don't remember it being hard. And again, I'm not saying this director has to be Edgar Wright or something. Um, But no, I get what you're saying. So, and I think that's a good thing to tell the people that if you're looking for like a really sharp satire, this is not it. No, it. I mean, and again, they even make a point of uh, when N- Natalie tries to curse a few times, and a truck is literally there on a bridge to beep her words out. <laughs> well, yeah, because she also, you know, <laughs> is upset that she's in a PG thirteen movie. Yeah, that's actually that was one of the funnier things so that she happens. Can't actually have sex. She can't have sex. She. This is kind of a spoiler for a joke, so don't listen if you don't want to hear this. I love the little moment when she's talking to her gay best friend, and she's like, I took a peek at it. He was, he was peeing, so I, I, talk, I saw his penis. Because <laughs> she comments, like, his penis is so big, and the gay best friend's like, you saw it? <laughs> yeah, that was one of the funnier bits where, like, she, yeah... Like they cut, like they go. She's like kind of kissing him and like rips off his shirt. But then you just cut to her in bed the next morning, and he cut, keeps coming out. And it's like watching like a Bandersnatch loop, <laughs> <laughs> where you keep on trying to choose the option that you want, and it gives you, "Hey, gorgeous, last nut was incredible." <laughs> I, I thought Bandersnatch there for a I second. I do think this movie kind of addresses the whole rom-com people are awful human beings well, with the Priyanka Chopra character and eventually the Liam Hemsworth character. Uh, more so Liam Hemsworth in like that one scene. But Priyanka Chopra, I don't think we even spent enough time with her. Um, the one scene where it's kind of funny is when uh, the two couples are side by side and it's clear that Priyanka Chopra yeah. and Liam Hemsworth have a thing. Yeah. And was it that... Uh... Rebel want to switch? Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing, one thing, though, that this movie doesn't really parody at all, and it's the thing that 
is also really irritating about a lot of romantic comedy. Yeah, please comedy. tell me, because I might be missing something. The contrived misunderstanding yeah, is yeah. absent out of this movie. No, and, well, Which, may, maybe they just wouldn't have had time for that. The thing is, if you want to, if all you care about is making, like, a satire of romantic comedies... I would say you put in the contrived misunderstanding because it's so common in the genre, but it also really sucks. So I feel like if they had included it, it would have undermined the actual romantic well, comedy. Well, well that's the comedy. thing. I think this movie is, it's addressing everything that's kind of bubbly and fun and what people like in romantic comedies. And it's not going after what is problematic about romantic comedies. So I, 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 that's why I'm, that's why I do, again, I like this movie, but it just didn't go that extra little mile for me that would have made it into like, yeah, like, oh my God, you must see this movie immediately. It like, didn't go full Cabin in the Woods. No, no. And that's the thing, like Cabin in the Woods, I feel like that's the other great example where, um, and I was talking about that before we went to see the movie where that's, that might be like the ultimate meta satire of this decade or it didn't go it wasn't like as savage as even something like walk hard <laughs> yeah <laughs> well the, to the point where walk hard i mean it's do you mean bohemian rhapsody cory <laughs> hold on a second Freddie Mercury needs to think about his entire life before he goes on stage. So yeah, the meta... <laughs> no, but yeah, no, that's a good example. Like, Walk Hard... Is amazing. And Walk Hard also... Yeah, that's a movie that I feel like both loves these biopics, but also understands what trash they are. Yeah. And that's why I think this movie... I think there's the strength of it being written by somebody who has written romantic comedies and, you know, wants to have this, you know, fun with it, but but she's also kind of neglecting, you know, the parts of her scripts or her co-writer's scripts where, yeah, we had to put some junk in there. Yeah. So, again, I'm not saying it's the worst thing. I had fun watching this movie. It just occurred to me that, wow, they're really you know, getting through this quick to reach that, you know, I'm running literally to get to the, that was, that was kind of funny too. You wanted it to go a little harder and deeper. That's what she said. You just did. <laughs> I want to go hard, hard, <laughs> down life. On some road. Um, yeah. I mean, we haven't even talked about like the major spoiler here of the movie, but that's, you know, you probably could guess it. Yeah, maybe. I'm not even sure what the major spoiler is that you're referring to. Really? Yes. Well, that her, she hit her head and it's all a dream. Oh. Which itself is one of the oldest, like, uh, tropes as well. I, I almost didn't think of that as a spoiler, because I felt like there was no other plausible... Um, way of ending the movie. Well, no, but I mean, but... See, I don't know. It's, I think some people watching the trailer might think, like, she hit her head, and kind of like how What Men Want, Taraji P. Henson is actually in the world, and she can just hear men's yeah. thoughts, that she's now in this romantic comedy world, and she's actually conscious. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, I guess it's a spoiler. Yeah. Um, but, but also, I Feel Pretty does that. She hits her head, and it's not like she's in some dream world fantasy. She, you know, that in a way, this has more of the logic of The Wizard of Oz. And that's what's kind of cool about it, too. You know, the yeah. all, my, all my friends are here, and with the exception of Adam Devine, everyone is acting <laughs> all completely... Not like it's, I should accept them. I think it's hard to pull off It Was All a Dream without making the audience feel annoyed and ripped off. No, I, no, 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 no. This is a good case of showing yeah. that you can do that. But you don't feel ripped off. You have to make it a... And like I said, the style, I think, really pulled it off. Both the cinematography and the production design um, 
you know, it, it feel it's it has that great plastic feel of romantic comedies, and the way everything shot is super slick, and um, the uh, even when like Rebel Wilson goes into her office and they tell her, oh, "Hey, you're designing the building today," <laughs> and she's like, "No, I just designed the parking lots." And he's like, "No, no, you're doing the building," <laughs> and uh, and yeah, you know, and ultimately, Corey, there's no place like home. <laughs> No, uh, oh, did you? Uh, you you missed it, listener. She Corey just gave me a little hug. Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. All right. Um, I'm often hugging you while we're recording, actually. Yes, you're not aware of that. It's like I'm I'm basically recording with the the the, the snuggle bear from those commercials. I'm engaging in secret hugging all the time on the podcast. It's okay. <laughs> Oh, you're so cute. All right, all right. So, um, all right. So again, this wasn't a full versus episode because you haven't seen "I Feel Pretty," but, um, but again, I would I would recommend this movie. Yeah, I like this a lot. I found that it was it was pretty. And the other thing I found too is I found it was consistently funny. I thought it was funny pretty much from the beginning to the end. It was if it wasn't laugh out loud funny, I was at least I was watching it being like. Huh, that's a clever idea, you yeah. know. Or and but if it wasn't like laugh out loud funny, I was really impressed, and I was just feeling in a good mood. Like you will genuinely leave this movie feeling good, and that's something that's you know nice. You know, you're not leaving it thinking like, oh, oh the despair of the <laughs> racial disparities of our culture. You know, it's like even though. If Beale Street Could Talk is like to me like a romantic highlight movie of the of the past few years, I feel better leaving this movie <laughs> than I do that. And uh, I'm gonna horrify you by saying I like this movie better than if Beale Street Could Talk. Of course you'd say that. <laughs> Miss Paint Your Wagons better than Good, the Bad and the Ugly. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> um but yeah no go see this and i would also say go see this because i i suspect that this is that rare breed of white elk which is the mid-budget hollywood movie i know that isn't based on anything because (laughs) even the movies that look decent right now out there you know movies i might go see like alita battle angel it's like all still based on stuff and they're, you know, what men want is a remake of what women want. Yeah. So we were, I told you before we saw this movie, I feel like I have a moral obligation to support a movie. That's not a reboot call as you call them. Of course, sometimes that gets us into trouble. That like... gets us into serenity. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean trouble? That was like such an amazing experience. Um, no, but yeah, we need to try to support movies like this. Movies where, shock of shocks, this feels like it was pitched by somebody, <laughs> and somebody said, great, I'm going to greenlight that pitch, and let's go make it, and maybe we can get a star. And, you know, clearly, this is something that has what they call like a high concept. Mm. You know, it's a high uh, type of thing where, you know, you could pitch it in an elevator, that type of thing, but I still appreciate that, and it's not... You know, it's not Aladdin. It's not <laughs> child's play. It's not one of these fucking things that's being shoved into our faces like a pack of yo play or something. <laughs> yes, it was so nice to see a movie that wasn't an IP for once. Yeah. And it's funny, it's sweet, it's entertaining. You know, in 18 months when this movie is like, makes it to TV, you know I'm going to be like having this on in the background like four times in four months when I'm like playing on my phone. That's that's your official review. Yes. <laughs> that's your rating. <laughs> no, go 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 see this. Go see it in the theater. Hopefully you have you know a good audience too that's into it. And you know, th- this is you know it's nice to have that experience as well. A good comedy where everyone's laughing at the same stuff and actually I found myself laughing at a few things I don't think the audience was. Mm. There were just certain little lines or certain little moments. There were even just things with the cinematography that I was like, ah! Oh, the one thing else I will tell people is, 
keep your eye on, um, kind of, like, subtle aspects of the set design, like posters and signs. Oh, yeah, there was a sign on the street that, I don't want to spoil it, but there was one sign that it was out of focus, but when I saw what it said, this street sign, I was, I, as somebody that's parked for years in New York, I was chuckling like a madman. But yeah, it's a movie that, like, if there's, if you ever see, like, a poster or a sign anywhere in the movie, they're all funny. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing, that it's, for New Yorkers, too, it, it's kind of a funny thing to watch, uh, uh, because it has some, some jokes there. Oh, and one last thing. Uh, Liam Hemsworth playing saxophone. <laughs> that will, I guarantee that will be a meme in a week. <laughs> and you compared him to Ryan Phillippe and Wish Upon. Yes. <laughs> Who does it better? Yeah. All right. Uh, so if you have any thoughts about this movie, please send them to agesofcinema at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter and all the other doobly-doos if you want to go into the computer. I'm just ripping off uh, John Green just there, I think. Because uh, he says doobly-doo. Um, so really, you're ripping off Matt, who he's ripping it off of. I don't think Matt ever said doobly-doo, did he? Catania says doobly-doo every time we have him on the podcast. Every, Does he? Every time. Are you sure he wasn't just ripping me off? Are we <laughs> sure not when, like, are you sure not in a vicious cycle of rip-offing? <laughs> um... It's a a cycle of meta-commentary. There you go. All right, and when we come back next time, we'll have more movie talk and other things of that nature. Uh, The Oscars are coming out. I'm on the fence if we'll comment about that, because it'll either be something really worth discussing, or I don't know at this point. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. That might that might be a drunk podcast for me, <laughs> not for you, obviously. Um, all right, until next time, though, I am Jack. And I am Corey. And the Wages of Cinema is... Mwah! Hugs! Yeah. Kiss of death. Good day. <laughs> My wife's become a mother... Romantic comedy! Hey, Boots, what's the update? I have to get a man to fall in love with me. Boom, 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 yes! I'm Josh. That is such a beautiful name.